Messiah's Branch Broadcast, a one-hour prophecy program on the American Voice Radio Network, featuring Pastor Dan of the Messiah's Branch Ministry. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Well, greetings, saints, and welcome to the Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour. We're broadcasting live from the Flint Hills of Kansas, and we're on the American Voice Radio Network. Today's date's October 27, 2022. Saints, the world is in turmoil. Most still don't realize it, but we are in that time to the end, and that's the time before Messiah's glorious return. So it's time to get out of sin, the world, and look to the holy city. Look to the one who suffered and died for you. Hear the sound of the shofar. Heed the warning. Get right now before it's too late. Please make the choice for you should. And I, if you need help after the program, call me. I'll pray for you or with you. If you get the machine, leave your name, number, prayer request, and or message. A phone number, of course. Just skip to my uh, cell phone. 316-619-4886. Text me first so I know that you're calling. Otherwise, robocalls, you might not get answered. You can always find updates with the breaking news all about the Wichita Mission Church. Everything you need to know about this ministry at ProphecyHour.com. ProphecyHour.com. Remember, we are a national satellite radio program which is simulcast live on the internationally. Some independent FM station, four different MP3 streams, Twitch, Rumble, PhoneBridge, picked up by every podcatcher out there. So, pray about supporting airtime. Let's thank our listener base this week, like Bradford, United Kingdom, Taylor, China, Madrid, Spain, core cities in the good old United States, such as Springfield, Missouri, Denver, Colorado, Wichita, Kansas, and hey, Hutchinson, Kansas, you remain the largest group of our listeners. That is when they go to podcasts later tonight. I have no way of knowing how many satellite people and all you people that are listening live. But when you do podcasts, I can find you. Anyway, by the way, send me a text. Let me know what city you're hailing from. Dear Heavenly Father, and you should have Hamashita's name, I pray. Father, I pray radio not goes according to your will and not our will, Father. And please, please, please give everyone out there ears in which to hear and understand the truth. So, Father Yahweh, in your Son, Yeshua's mighty name, please bless this program tonight. Amen and amen. Well, I can't wait to talk to who we have tonight. That's my friend Stan Johnson. With his wife, he founded the Prophecy Club in the Spirit of Prophecy Church. Stan has been studying Bible prophecy for over 40 years, and he's been teaching it 30 years, which qualifies him for doing all the radio programs, takes everything that he's been doing. He's hosted over 160 speakers. He's made 336 DVDs, all on Bible prophecy. Personally, he's recorded 37 prophecy DVDs, and I bet that number's even changed. And he's even memorized the book of Revelation. That's a big feat. Anyway, a man clearly of many hats. He's also the president and CEO of Prophetic Oil Incorporated, whose goal is to find the prophesied oil in Israel. And I believe that's getting close. So let's welcome Stan. Are you here with me, Stan? I am. I am. 
Are you there? I'm here. I'm talking. You're not hearing me. Um, I'm not. I'm really not hearing you. Um, uh, say something. I am saying something. Something is not kosher here. Um, I wonder if that's my connection or your connection. Maybe uh, our producer can call you back okay. and call you back. That would probably be the best. Um, Frank, are you hearing this problem? Because uh, I'm powerless. The station's the ones in charge of that. Um, I don't know what's going on. This is very unusual. Um, hello, Frank? Can you hear us? Uh, say something again, Stan. Just say some, a couple of things so I can see if I can. <laughs> yeah, it's, are you hearing me? I'm fine, yeah. Yeah, the, but there, there's definitely there's definitely some kind of bug because I can just barely hear you and there's a loud um, noise in the background. <laughs> and we just, and it, that's right. Okay, I am, for some reason, I'm not hearing you. I don't know what the problem is. Frank at the station says he's hearing you. There's no reason why I should not be hearing you because everything up. Hang up and call me back. Hang me up and call and then call me back, okay? Let's just reconnect it. We'll be back, folks, in just a minute. We're going to. Uh, reconnect Stan Johnson and see if that's what the problem is. I uh, don't know what else it could be. Are you back? It is still not sounding. How about now? Do you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Say, talk, say something again. Test one, two, three, test. Test. Yeah, I got you now. Okay. All, the, all there is a kind of a weird thing, but yeah, I can hear you. When, as soon as they switch from I assume it's over to you, volume drops, and they'll take you back and you're not set. Yeah, it's it's, uh, let me say something. Um, Frank can just disconnect this whole, start this whole thing, because um, it's, it's really Okay, hello. Yeah, I I do hear that. Okay, test one, two. Yeah, I can hear it. Uh, say something again. Besides, test, 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 test. Yeah, I think we're okay now. Um, hey. Okay. Uh, give me a Give me a full sentence. Uh, when they shall say peace and safety, sudden destruction should come upon. Them. Prevail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. 
Well, it seems to be working now. Let's just move on and try it. Okay, anyway, I introduced you. I don't know if you heard all that, and I don't know where this weird static's been coming from. Uh, really low. I'm going to bump it up, see if that helps. See if that helps. One, two, three, test. That helps a lot. Yeah, well, it's really loud. That's all the way up. Yeah, well, that sounds fine now. I, so, yeah, you sound real good, crystal clear. Well, folks, I guess we got the bug worked out. That's electronic age. I remember in the olden days I used to use a telephone, uh, and what had this slight background noise, it always connected. You know what I'm saying? Do you remember those things, Dan? Well, technology's come a long way. I'll agree with you there. It came a long way backwards, I think. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, amen. Stan, you've been really uh, busy this year. Not only have you, uh, you let's see, you created jo Joseph Kitchen. You went to Mount Sinai, and now you're back on, you're on TV. So, uh, really, how about telling us about Saudi Arabia? Well, the uh, the reason I went was one of the things that I want to do is to prepare a place for the woman to flee. So let me explain that. In the middle of the tribulation, Daniel, or excuse me, Matthew, Jesus speaking, Matthew 24, when you see the abomination of the desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place and basically tells them, don't pack, don't collect $200, don't pass, go, run. Run for your life. And I believe where they will run is 216 miles straight south to the real Mount Sinai. On the way down there, the devil is going to put a big jelly washer down the ravines there and try to kill the people. The Bible says, and the dragon cast water out of his mouth, and it might cause the woman to be carried away, the flood. And the earth helped the woman. The earth opened up her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. The dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the women out of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, had the testimony of Jesus Christ, meaning... As they go down, there's literally a crack comes in the earth and swallows up the big flood that the devil sends after all of the people fleeing Jerusalem when they see the abomination of the desolation. So I want to go down there and prepare a place for these scared Christians that are, when they see the abomination of the desolation, when they see the Antichrist set on the Ark of the Covenant, they're going to run. So I want to go down there and prepare a place for them when they get there. Now... Yes, Saudi Arabia is spending several billion dollars uh, building NEOM, N-E-O-M, the city down there. And when I was there, it is huge. And they had just about every contractor in Saudi Arabia. I was there two weeks ago. Just about every contractor in Saudi Arabia working there and is building a, this humongous city. And that may be enough, but we'll see. But my purpose going down there was to find out for sure that I knew where the real Mount Sinai was and that I was convinced it really is Mount Sinai and to look for a place for the woman to flee. Well, as it turns out, about three weeks before I went down there, a fellow came to our congregation, asked us out to dinner, not knowing exactly why he was there or why we went to dinner. But he mentioned that he's part of an organization that is, long story short, they have made these containers. They take a container, like it's on the back of an 18-wheeler, and they convert that into a totally self-contained living quarters. Uh, yeah, I mean, it has everything. It even has 
like solar panels on it, uh, and they're working on getting a device on it that will pull water right out of the air so you can pop it in the jungle or the desert, wherever it is, and it's a total living quarters for anyone. Now, that's the place for the woman to flee. So that's why I went down there. Now, <laughs> but I ask a couple of things. Um, number one, you priorly knew, I found out about the real Mount Sinai through you. In fact, one of the very first times I, I saw you was at a meeting where you hosted Ron Wyatt. And so this is a, a continuation of the same place that Ron was talking yeah. about for the people, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and then go ahead. Okay, so when I got down there, uh, I it lit my fire. I mean, it absolutely lit my fire. I saw, I'm so glad I went. I'm absolutely so glad I went. To tell you some of the things that I saw, um, first of all, I understand, I, I come to understand that kind of like the Rocky Mountains, is a big Rocky Mountain, it's a big mountain range. Well, Jabel El Laws is a big mountain range. But the highest mountain in that range is Mount Sinai. And that's the mountain that is like 7,600 feet up, fairly high up. And let me just say this. If this really is the real Mount Sinai, then according to the Bible, it would have to be near the exit from the Red Sea on the Saudi Arabia side. Now, Leslie and I, Back in 1991, Ron Wyatt took us to show, show us a big red granite pillar. If two people were to hold their, their arms together, that's how, about how big around it was. And it's probably 14 to 16 foot tall. And when we were there, it had been put into a big platform of concrete so that it wouldn't fall over. And Ron Wyatt said that he found several um, words in ancient Hebrew, and he believed that it was put there by Solomon. Now, so we've been to the marker that marked the entrance into the Red Sea. This time we went to the marker where they exited the Red Sea. Now, stand why? Because I believe God has told me that we're going to be in sports stadiums speaking when people are scared out of their minds because they're in the last days, they have not prepared, and they are looking for some answers, and they're looking real, real hard. And Leslie and I are going to be able to stand up and say, we've been to Mount Sinai, it's real. We've seen the crossing site of the Red Sea. We've been to Noah's Ark. We've seen the archaeological evidence that proves that this is uh, it's called Gordon Calvary. It really is the place Jesus was crucified. About uh, six weeks ago, Leslie was in Honduras, and they had arranged to give away like three, four hundred Bibles. Everyone in the high school was going to be getting, getting a Bible. This was the King James Version in Spanish. And she said, so the next, that, that next morning, she was going to go and give the Bibles, and she was going to give a little talk. And she says, that night, the Lord spoke to her in a dream. She said, no you need to do is talk about some of the things that you have seen that prove that the Bible is true. That's what they need to hear. So the next day she went in and she told them about seeing Noah's Ark. She told them about Jesus' tomb. 
she told them about the crossing side of the Red Sea. See, because there's Jeremiah 16, 19 through 21 says, O Lord, my refuge and my fortress, I strengthen the day of affliction. Now, that day of affliction is referring to the seven-year tribulation. The Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth, and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no profit, and have made in themselves gods that are not gods. Therefore, this once, I will cause them to know. I will cause them to know my hands and my might, and they shall know that my name is Jehovah. Meaning, one time. And only one time in the 6,000-year history of man, God is going to come out of the closet. He is going to show his hands and his might. August 8th of 2015, Saturday night, Lord, what do you say for the sermon tomorrow morning? And I heard words. This time I heard him awake during the day, looking at my monitor. And it said, this. Are you there? Yeah, um, I am. I'm okay. sorry. I didn't realize that would be. I sent a producer. Uh, Go ahead. So, it said, this is the time of miracles. As the judgment hits, so will my miracles. Miracles like no one is saying going back to Adam and Eve. And you tell them, I will never leave them nor forsake them. And I'm going to meet the devil in French, step for step, pound for pound, everything he does. Meaning, there is one time, and only one time, in the 6,000-year history of man where God is going to show what he can do. And during that time, there's going to be billions of people from all kinds of religions, all kinds of languages, people, nation, languages, and tongues, is the Bible, that are going to return to it. And I guess it was probably 25 years ago now. I was falling asleep one night, and I thought about this before I said it. I said, Lord, I just want to say, and I, I thought carefully about what I was saying, I love you more than I love my wife and my children more than my life, more than the very beat of my heart, the breath of my lungs. And I fell asleep. Well, I guess I said the right thing. Because that was the first time God spoke to me. And the voice sounded like it was coming from all directions. It sounded like my head was in the middle of a sphere. And it said, I am giving you heart harvest from the seed sown by Billy Graham. Then I soared here to my hand, about three foot long, and it was light, as in L-I-G-H-T, and it was also light, as in L-I-T-E, <laughs> and I could spin it in any direction. And then a piece of paper, about two foot by two foot, appeared up into my I took the sword, and I cut off about a third of the paper. As I cut off the third, it turned to a water. I think what he was saying is, he's going to give me his word, that's the sword, to cut off and bring into the kingdom about the third the number of souls that he gave Billy Graham. He gave them to sports stadium. I had a dream, which I skipped. I also had a vision, which I'll skip, where I was shown that I will be speaking in sports stadiums and organizing. I'll be the organizer of it. So as we stand up to speak to a sports stadium full of people, or a global radio and TV program, which is what I believe is coming. As a matter of fact, 20, 25 years ago, the Lord spoke to Leslie audibly and said, one day, Prophecy Club, 
be the largest prophecy ministry oh. audible. That's what he said audible to So he's preparing Leslie and I so that one day we can stand before millions of people and give them concrete evidence as to why they can believe the Bible and know that it truly is the Word of God. Now, here's some of the things I saw when I was in Saudi Arabia. I, the biggest thing I, I was excited about was Elam. You recall when Moses came out of the Red Sea, they turned south. And they went down to the first place they went to was water was bitter. The people complaining, they needed water. They were three days having come out of the water and all of the water supply, come out of the Red Sea. So all the water supply was, was all used. It was all gone. They were complaining to Moses. And they found water, but it was bitter. Now, we don't know if that meant salty, if it was poisonous or what. Couldn't drink it. So Moses was shown a tree which he tossed into the water and turned the water sweet. I did not get to go tomorrow, and I'm trying to some other people try to find out where it is, if they have found it. But they went on south about another three days, and down there they, they went to Elam. Now, this is where the Bible says that there were seven wells, as in water wells, and 70 palm trees. Well, I thought Elam was just a city that they just, you know, were just one spot. Wrong. It was absolutely awesome. Try to imagine a crack in a mountain. And I do not think this crack was put there by earthquake because I carefully looked at the granite, what it looked like, this side, and then I'd walk over the granite the other side. Carefully look at it because if the rock just cracked, well, you're going to find places where it matches, okay, just like ripping a paper. So you can find where that rip would match all up again. Only this rock, not on the entrance, not on the exit side, did not match up. There were places where I could see where the, how do I say this, where the ley lines were going from top left to bottom right. Then on the other side, you would expect them to see top right to bottom left, so they would match up. No, nope, didn't match up. Meaning that this is a crack in the mountain. Oh, not just any crack. It takes you approximately an hour in a four-wheel drive, drive vehicle to drive through this curving track all through the mountain. Now, the mountain is in many places 10 stories. Some of it's 20 stories high. I mean, you're looking straight. I mean, it's it's just, it is, it's breathtaking. I've got video. This particular Sunday, I'm going to be, which, by the way, you can watch it live at prophecyclub.com, and I'm going to be showing video taken in Elam, which is this big crack in the earth, and also uh, video footage from above, from like Google Earth, where it looks down on I'm going to show you. I mean, we've got, you can see birds flying around in there. It was just awesome. Now, what they had to do is they had to walk up this. And again, in a four-wheel drive vehicle, it takes about an hour to go through there. So the children of Israel walking through there, it probably took them all day long. Now, we know that they walked through there because guess what? There is still to this day, 
12 wells. And it's not a well like we expect to find with bricks surrounding it. It's just 12 places where water came to the surface. Now, it didn't rain very much. Matter of fact, we were pretty convinced that Saudi Arabia had not got rain in over a year. It might even be two years because palm trees dying that are used to being able to survive in that area. And you could tell all over that it had not rained in there in a long time. So there was only a little bit of water in the 12 wells. But now I didn't count the 12 wells because we didn't get to go all the way through the whole thing. That's one of the things I suggested that they do. I suggested that they get four-wheel drive vehicles and let people drive all the way through okay? instead of just going to the entrance, going to the exit. Not, um, but anyway, sure enough, there's 12 wells in it. According to what Joel Richardson said, did not get to see that. But, and I didn't count that there's 70 palm trees, but that was 33 to 3,500 years ago. And remember, America's only been around some 400 years. So something 33 to 3,500 years ago, and it's still there. That means that since we saw the 12 wells, since it winds through there, and this is the only place that it could possibly be. We know absolutely positively this is Elam, which means we know absolutely positively, and number 10, no question, we walked on very soil. Moses and the children of Israel walked. Wow. wow. And you, you say it's a wow right now? Yeah. I, I said wow, Stan. Uh, that's just breathtaking to be there. And to hear your testimony, you know, yeah, it's just out of this world. And let alone, you know, you, you went with Joel, you know, he's very well versed in it. Back to you. So walking through this was just breathtaking. It's like, I'm even getting emotional just thinking. It's almost like you just wanted to stop to your knees and just cry for it. Just so awesome that God put this big crack. To try to imagine the crack through the Rocky Mountains. That's what it was. I mean, this is a whole mountain range. And there's a crack. And it was not put there. I think it was two plateaus. I think it was two platelets in the earth. I do not think it, they were connected at one time. I think it was simply two platelets that God arranged exactly that way, exactly that time, children of Israel to walk through there to get water. It was cool in there, even though it was hot outside, it was cool in there. It was flying overhead. You know, the echo was just awesome. And it's just, it's like, I, I cannot, I cannot do it justice. So the way they did is they let us walk up in there walked up for probably 15, 20 minutes. I mean, they said, if you walk through, it'd probably take you three or four hours. I mean, then we got back in the, the vehicles. Um, back all the way around, it took us about an hour in a car to go to the exit point. Why could we go through? Well, they had these giant rocks about the size of cars that was blocking uh, so that they had so many smugglers coming through there, so the Saudi Arabia officials doing that so that they would, would block 
the smugglers coming through. But that was awesome. All right, now let's go to Mount Kaiba. So I'm 69 years old. I play racquetball twice a week. They said, if you want to climb Mount Sinai, we recommend that you get on a Stairmaster, something in that ballpark, two or three hours a day. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not that much trouble. So I said, yeah, I'm, I'm in good enough shape, and I'm not in good enough shape, and that's fine. You know, I'm just going to do what I can do, but I'm not going to get prepared. Well, I think I made the right decision. But when I got there, See, I, we weren't planning on staying overnight. Planning on just going back in to the city and staying at, at the hotel room. That was part of the package that they for. But when we got there and we looked up at that mountain, we said, "No, no, no, no. We we had to stay here." So we stayed in the tent that night. It was fairly cool. The blow up bed. I think they blowed up too hard because it was started. And by the way, we've noticed that there's some little boys' rooms very close to the tent during the time. No, you didn't catch them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'll move on. Yeah, I know. I get it. It's, little, it's a so, uh, our age thing. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> so anyway, we got up the next morning left at 6.30. And it's still kind of chilly outside, but so I started climbing up Mount Sinai, and before I was climbing, Joel Kennedy used to say, do you have a walking stick? He said, well, I've got an extra one you can use mine. All right, fine. Uh, it wasn't but about five minutes, so I'd come to find out. He gave me that walking stick for a reason, because the person to climb up there without a walking stick, you're taking your life in your hands. You're probably going to get back and need some stitches. You might lose a tooth or two. You, you're definitely going to have skin, knees, elbows, scratches all over your hands, and you probably will have fallen on your face once you It's not easy. So I climbed up until the point to where I would, I could tell looking at this as far as I'm going, and uh, we sat down. And, and rested. And I, I, this other lady says, I, 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 I saw, I, I can't go anymore. I said, I think I agree. <laughs> so I made it about 40% of the way, but you have to understand it's 7,600 feet. That, that's a high mountain. And really steep. So the walking stick was helpful. Yeah. Oh. But I will promise you, I would have fallen at least 30 times. And I not had that walking stick on the way. Because as I'm going down, there were countless times and my legs weren't just long enough. My legs weren't strong enough. I physically did not have enough muscles in my arms, my back, my legs to make that jump. Whereas because I had the walking stick, I could put it down. And like the lady that was there, she said, well, I'm in some mountains in Switzerland last, last year. And... Uh, we, we had, everybody had walking sticks. She says, we just got there. And we asked them, why do you have a walking stick? They said, because it saves your knees. Bob, I can find out that's true. Because now instead of going down on two points, meaning your two knees and probably one of your hands, maybe, if you can put a walking stick down, 
you can go down. Going down a mountain is at least twice as hard as it is going up. It's more dangerous. You're climbing these big boulders that are, eh, some of them come up to your knee, some of them come up to your face. And the most dangerous part is, if it's just a clean boulder, that, that's fine. But a lot of them are like having little BBs or little marbles, the little rocks. And so if you step on it, there goes your foot or there goes your hand. And you lost and like uh, one guy fell over. There's a couple of people hurt. So anyway, after we decided to come down, we got probably halfway down, and, and I, I said, i I got to stop now. So we were resting, and this lady that decided to go down, that's why I was going down with her. And they had a, a guide with us. We try this with, without a guide. So we always had a guide with us. So anyway, I sat down. She was behind me. And probably 15, 20 seconds after we sat down, I hear this clunk. Turned around, and she had passed out. I mean, she had fallen face first on the stone that was next to her. Thankfully, she was sitting down. Yeah, it left a big old bump and scratch and a little bit of blood on her forehead. Uh, but she quickly woke up. But what I'm trying to say is it was not easy. But... Some other brothers that got up there got me some really good pictures, video pictures. They said that they have a lot of drone footage. Asked them about three or four. But I've not got the drone if I can't keep it. But anyway. About halfway up, there is a plateau. Do you recall, Moses went up first. He came down with the Ten Commandments, as I recall. And then the next time, God told him that he could take 70 elders with him. The 70 elders went up to the plateau. There's a plateau up there about the size of a football field, so I'm told. I didn't make it. Um, and that's a place where, you know, you can rest or eat or spend the night or something like that. Uh, and I will, and then you go on up. But they said, oh, it's about three and a half hours up the top. Well, not unless you are a mountain climber. Because even most people up there, it took them like. And Tommy, one one group, uh, one two or three people, it took them eight hours to get up and back down, and they were totally exhausted. They had to call for some help to come and pick them up at the road because they went down a different way. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, it was not easy. You have to remember, they left when when they left uh, Egypt. The Bible says that there was not any feeble among us. God had given them supernatural strength. Also, this is 33 to 3,500 years ago, and probably they were taller, even though they were considered themselves grasshoppers compared to some of the giants of the area. And you remember that they came back with this giant grape bunch, um, this, this bunch of grapes that took stick and took two men to carry it. So the earth was not as old back then and gave forth its strength a lot than the earth does today. Today, if you don't have fertilizer and bug killer, you're not going to get a crop. But it was not that way. So they were much stronger, I think, much taller than we are today. So that's how they could climb Mount Sinai. Anyway, 
when I was there, I wanted to look and see if I could find a broken but I was doing good just climb up as high as I did. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I totally did it. Ten mountain climbers, the frisky guys about 20 years old, and say, okay, let's systematically cover all of this area. Because as, as uh, Moses is coming down, if you read this, uh, the Bible description, it says he heard them, and they said, this is not a cry of, like, battle. This is not a cry of fear. This sounds like they're dancing. This sounds like they're rejoicing. And so they heard them first. Then he got to where he could see the camp. When he got to where he could see, he looked down and he saw the molten calf. And then the calf is molten. Later scriptures have called it Baal, B-A-A-L. And then when he saw them, he threw down the Ten Commandments. There's no account in the Bible of them ever being found. And I don't know if God maybe sent an angel and picked them up. I don't know if somebody here. But that is one of the questions. We had an Israeli archaeologist on the tour. He was there specifically as an archaeologist, seeing here as an archaeologist, if he could guarantee that this is Sinai. And he said, I can guarantee it's one of three possible sites. Well, if you look at the scriptures, look at what I'm saying Sunday, I don't think there's much doubt. It's, there, there's little doubt. This really is not time. Uh, well, should I continue with this or you want me to jump back? I, I do want to continue. I'm really finding it interesting. I just want to throw a comment in here. Um, prevalence to me. The folks, the very first time I've heard of this stuff was uh, back with Ron Wyatt, and I heard it in a Prophecy Club reading by Stan Johnson. And, and Stan, let me tell you what, when after that meeting, and I went home and I listened to the testimony of Mount Sinai and the other testimony that he had, I literally could do nothing but mumble for three days because I was so confirmed in my heart about this. I honestly, even though I haven't seen it and you've been there, I, in my heart of hearts, believe totally this is it. I believe his testimony and all the others that have been there. But you were there for a reason. The Father has great big plans for the Prophecy Club. And so this is a big thing that you, this is a, a, a big thing that I believe had to happen in order for your ministry to proceed forward as it is. Back to you. Just take this wherever you want to go. I'm, in, I'm along for the ride. Okay. Well, let me see. What's the next thing? The, uh, I think Elam, I think the, the, uh, Mount Sinai was very big. But I'll tell you another thing that just blew me away is the split rock. If you're familiar with it, you've probably seen pictures of it. As you look down from, from beneath, the, you know, at the, at the foot of this small mountain that has this giant rock on it, it looks like, oh, well, that's not. <laughs> in the presentation, I have a picture of a man standing at the base. I some pictures of some people that have climbed it. They look like ants. At the, looking up there, I thought, well, this is probably 10 stories tall. Nah. <laughs> it's probably more like 15 or 20 stories. This giant rock. Now, the question was, was this rock one whole big rock, or did it have a crack in it? And the earth 
squirt up water from beneath this big rock? Or was it one big whole rock and Moses struck it and out came water? So I got up there. There's another guy that says, well, you can see where water is created out of thin air. There's a big round space about the size of a beach ball. So I was itching to get up there. And it only took about an hour to climb up, climb up, I'll look all around, take all the video and the pictures I wanted, and climb back down. So this is not anywhere near as high as China. So I climbed up. And, you know, inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> so I went right into the mouth of the dragon. Right into the mouth of the rabbit dog. I mean, I went up inside that rock. Video. And I couldn't climb to the other side because there's too many people in the rock. So I, I hollered one of the other guys. I said, give me some video and some pictures of the other side of that rock. Now, here's the question. Did the water come up from the earth or was the, the water supernaturally created out of thin air in the rock split and the water came out of the rock? I believe that the water did not come up beneath. I think the rock used to be one whole rock, like a giant dice, okay? And Moses struck it, and it broke in not two, two pieces. And water by the million, I mean, a whole river, I mean, like the Missouri River, the Kansas River, flowed out of this thing. Well, how do you know that, Stan? Because water flows over rocks. I don't care how jagged they are. Water, a lot of water long time, flows over a rock, it makes the rock smooth. And as you look around, believe me, it doesn't take long walking around looking at rocks, you can see there are no smooth rocks. <laughs> there are none. When you walk up inside this giant, I don't know, 15 to 20 story giant rock just out of nowhere, all of a sudden, it's smooth right in the middle of it. I did not see where there's a round area that I would call about the size of a beach ball, but I did see that there was a large that was super smooth up in the, the inside of it, and I asked myself as I looked at that, okay, is that just a split, or is that smooth because water came gushing out of thin air right there and made it smooth? And the answer is B. <laughs> Water came gushing out of just thin air. It did not come up from below. As a matter of fact, when I was there, I had video footage and I and I've also pictures and I, I'm up inside the rock. I'm looking down and say, Now you ask yourself, did water come up from the ground right there? No. There's the rocks there, there's small rocks there. There's rocks where if there was a large amount of water that were to gush up from the rock below, those rocks would have been washed away. But no, it was created out of thin air. I mean, I believe it was one giant bare cube rock. Moses struck the rock, and he might not even have to climb up there, which takes about 20 minutes. fairly difficult. Nothing like that. I, I, my guess is he didn't even have to climb up there. I think he just struck one of the, the small rocks, and all of a sudden this big 15 or 20-story rock breaks into three pieces, water comes pouring out of three directions. We, before we were about ready to, to leave, uh, several of the guys noticed that there was a men's bathroom behind one of the rocks. 
Hey, you're not getting my jokes yet. Yeah, oh, 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 I get it. Okay, I get your joke, actually. Uh, <clears throat> moving right along. That's not funny, Stan. I guess it is. Well, in the process, I discovered a whole river of where water had come out of one of the three directions, and as you stood there, you could see out right there. It flowed right down there, and it went right down that direction. So, I think that's I don't even know if I could number them, but it's one of the three things that just, it just took you breath away. Just, I mean, just see. I mean, when you could say, somebody says, well, I believe in Buddha. <laughs> you know, I, I believe in Islam. I believe in this. I believe in that. You know, there is no God or whatever, you know. Say, let me tell you, there is a rock. In my case, I can say, and I've been in that rock. Wow. And I can tell you. That water was created out of thin air, not a little water. It was like a Missouri River flowing out of there. It was like a lot, a lot, a lot of water that flowed for a long time. I tell you, it happened. I've been there. So when I, I stand and I tell these stories in a stadium full of people, then I'm going to say, the Bible's true. Jesus really is God in the flesh. And if you want to live eternally, you have to find someone that came back from the dead. And Buddha is still in the grave. Thomas is still in the grave. But Jesus, I've been there. He's not in the grave. Oh, and eternally, has to turn to someone that has the power to come out of the grave. Jesus says, no one took my life. I laid it down. And if I lay it down, I can take it up. Because in his hand, for the power of life and death. He has the keys of hell and death. He decides who dies, when they die, how they die, and where they spend eternity. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment under the Son. So I want to be able to tell them, if you want to live eternally, you do not have to die. The free gift, you cannot buy it, you cannot earn it. You cannot be good enough. It's a free gift. And all you have to do is ask for that free gift by confessing your sins to Jesus. Sinner, I'm all messed up. Jesus coming up. We were driving. One of the things that Leslie wanted me to do was to take this dune buggy ride. Hmm. Yeah, fine. She also made me get on a camel. <laughs> Love women. Love my wife also. Go ahead. It's about an hour out to it. Then it's about another hour. I mean, I was thinking like a 10-minute buggy drive. No. About an hour, and we rode in these sand dunes all over. And then um, after it's over, we had a place where we could have some entertainment. And then it's after dark, 30 minutes. Now, at this time, you have to understand Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, you do not try to proselytize Saudi Arabia. They will lock you up. And they can do that. And if they do that. So I turned to our driver and said, may I ask you, sure. I said, may I ask you about your Muslim faith? Sure. I said, well, I understand that it's illegal to do that. So he said, look, if I give you permission, you can talk to me about it. I said, well, may I talk to you about it? He said, sure. 
And I said, well, okay, tell me about your Muslim faith. Was this a choice of yours because you investigated the, the story of a civil different God? Or was this just something handed to you? Oh, it was just handed to me by my parents. My parents are Muslim. And I said, well, do you understand the difference between Islam or Muslim or the Quran and the Christian faith? Oh, they're the same. It's the same Jesus. There's a Jesus in Islam and there's a Jesus that's a Christian. I said, oh, no, no. Let's explain it. So I, I, I ask questions. They don't explain. And then towards the end, I said, have you ever felt the peace that passes all understanding? I don't understand. I said, well, in all your prayers, in all your reading of the Quran, have you ever felt a peace come up? Peace come to your I said, well, when a person receives Jesus, a peace comes to their heart that they've never felt in their life. And that is a confirmation their sins are forgiven and that Jesus has now elected them to live eternally with him. I said, would you like to feel that peace? Um, now, he's driving, okay? He's driving. We're almost to our... I don't have to come for a long here. I said, then just say this. I say, God's about to, to, to tear up and I'd have a wreck. <laughs> hmm. I mean, he had an experience. Wow. If you've not had that kind of experience, if you've never held hands, you've never prayed the sinner's prayer, if you've never seen tears run down their eyes, the Holy Spirit is knocking their heart. Pull back the curtain. They see that they are sinners, needing Jesus. If you've never experienced it, then you have missed greatest feeling in existence. There is nothing, nothing better than leading someone to Jesus. Nothing, nothing. It's worth all of the difficulty, all of the hoops you've got to jump through these days to get a Christian or American. It's not a Christian to listen. But we're trying to be sharing Sunday. Thank you, Mr. Amen. Stan, I'm going to have to interrupt you. We've only got a couple of minutes, and I need to get a couple of things out from you. Um, number one, uh, and, and that's a super testimony. Number one, tell them about where to find you to do this this Sunday morning to watch this, and then tell them where they can find you on TV, because now you're on TV. That's new. So okay. give them this. It's real simple. Go to prophecyclub.com, watch us, prophecyclub.com, and I think you can go to hereToProphecyChurch.com. I started taking off of YouTube. Okay, now you can also uh, go to YouTube and search for Prophecy with Stan. They took Prophecy Club off, so we started a new one called Prophecy with Stan. And I think it's also going to be up there. Now, it, there's so much to it. I'll probably be talking on this for two Sundays back-to-back. And it starts at 9.30. And I'll probably also take the 10.30 time because I'm going to go through to show our congregation everything about it. Because it is absolutely lit in our fire. And if you want 
to one day lead someone to the Lord, this is extremely powerful. Extremely powerful. Prophecyclub.com. Prophecy with Stan on YouTube. You might find us. I don't even have any more check. Let's see if there's a Spirit of Prophecy Church. Uh, I don't even look. I haven't found Spirit, but I've found uh, folks. I found on YouTube. In fact, I'll just send these links over to my site so they can find them. But I found Prophecy with Stan popped up. And so, is that where, where can they grab the TV program? Oh, Word Network. Word Network on Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Central Time. Word Network. Monday through Thursday is Prophecy Club, and then Friday it is Leslie trained the prophet. Oh, that ought to be really great. So you just, you know, whatever satellite or whatever cable you have, just look up whatever Word Network. All right. You know, I'll put, folks, I'll find links for all these things and put it. I already have a link on the website for the Prophecy Club. You can see it right over there. But I'll find these links and make sure I put it on. Uh, you just go look where ready was. Stan, I'm really sorry. The uh, time has run out. You know, you're going to have to tell them goodbye. I, I arranged it when we just talked through break, but i got to get out of here because it's live radio. Okay. Bless you, sir. Thank you for having me on. All right. It's a blessing. Thanks so much. We'll talk again. Folks, that was Stan Johnson of the Prophecy Club, the founder of, and he's been doing some big things this year. They started Joseph's Kitchen, which you've heard about that. He's on uh, TV now, and he's been to Mount Sinai. He's going to have a big testimony. You need to come and see it. Pray about supporting um, Messiah's Branch in the Wichita Mission Church. You can donate online, mail a check or money order. Give a donation over the phone. You can find all that information at prophecyhour.com. But you must remember, folks, that there is only one true God. He is your Father. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His Son is Yeshua HaMashiach. He gave his life for repentance sins, and he rose after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And through him, and only through him, is the way to the Father. Remember, always, always, always be a blessing to others. Lord our God, Father, King Universe, asking Yeshua HaMashiach's name, that Father, you would please, please bless and keep him. That your face would shine upon them that you would be gracious to them and give them peace like no one or nothing else can. Till next Thursday, this is Pastor Dan saying goodbye and shalom. You all be blessed. You've just heard the Messiah's Branch broadcast featuring Pastor Dan. To contact Dan on the Internet, go to messiahsbranch.org. To write to Dan, send a note to Messiah's Branch, 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas. 66851. Tune in next time from Messiah's Branch.